Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Monster Dear Monster, a podcast where we explore monsters from their humble folkloric beginnings to their modern-day incarnations. And this, once again, is a trip into the Legativerse, and for that, I am once again joined by my co-host, Dave. Hello, it's me. And uh, once since we are back in the Legativerse, actually, before we do that, uh, it's you, and how are you, Dave? I am alive. I'm here. I'm ready to talk about terrifying places. <laughs> uh, yes, same, same here. Uh, and uh, these terrifying places are contained within the uh, two stories that comprise uh, the uh, songs uh, of, of, I'm sorry, the voice of the child in Songs of a Dead Dreamer and Grimscribe. Uh, the voice of the child section, as I mentioned just a few seconds ago, only contains two stories, the library of the Library of Byzantium, 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 I would think, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, the short story uh, Miss Plar. Yeah, they're, they're both they're both short. Although Miss Plar is far shorter than the Library of Byzantium, this also brings us perilously close to the final tale of Grimscribe, which is in the section The Voice of Our Name, which we will get to next time. I believe it's a single um, a single entry, The Shadow at the Bottom of the World. Yes. But that will be for next time, in, in addition to something else, because we're not going to just do one short story. <laughs> um... Yes, the Library of Byzantium uh, is, uh, hey, hey, you know, uh, Ligotti is is highly Lovecraft adjacent, and surprise, this story is no different. Um, one thing to note about both of these tales is that the uh, narrators for both are, uh, in fact, children, um, which... Uh, didn't really strike me until one of the narrators mentioned using a crayon. I'm like, all right, these are supposed to be kids um, because they certainly do not speak like children. They have that. Yeah. They have the Logati voice. Oh yeah. Just protagonist narrator that happens to be small. Um. So Dave, what is the the library of Byzantium about? It is about a young child who is visited by a priest, and the priest weirdly shares with him arcane knowledge and things may or may not have been stolen which imperils <laughs> said priest because he's borrowed a terrifying book from a terrifying library. Yes. And that's that's what it's about. Yes. Uh, but there is more to that. 
uh, our our child is an artist, mm. uh, Kern, who was who was at the beginning of the story working on a piece involving like a giant vaulted room and a row of columns receding into the distance with a uh, terrified man peeking around one of them. And uh, due to uh, the inability to uh, reproduce pure horror on the man's face, because the man is supposed to be uh, observing something that the viewer cannot see, uh, the child is left unsatisfied with his work in uh, until Father Savage Savage mm-hmm. uh, visits them, and he is alerted to that by um, is was it his mother, um, parlor maid? Like it's clear that these people come from money. Uh, it's the mother, I think. I don't think anyone else. It's just the parents, the child, and then the priest. Priest. Um, I, I believe. It, that doesn't okay. really matter. Um, I will pull a section from, like, the very beginning. This is on the, All right. the first page. My earliest philosophy regarding the great priestly tribe was therefore not a simple one by any means. Rather, it it comprised a thick maze of propositions, a labyrinthine layering of systems in which abstract dread and bizarre sort of indebtedness were forever confronting each other. In retrospect, then, the prelude to Father Savage's visit seemed seemed to me as crucial and as introductory to later events as the visit itself. So I have no qualms about lingering upon these lonely moments. So he's, um, he's, his parents want him to go into like the clergy and he's Ah. kind of entertaining it uh, because it holds like a mystical allure to him. He wants, he doesn't care about, I think the ritual, but he cares about like the secrets behind it. Mm Mm-hmm. Like he's fascinated by like these these esoteric mysteries that seem to be prevalent in the um the church, and he uh the 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 church would send priests around for I don't know what reason they would just come by to visit annually or something, and uh the the difference is Father Savage is from a different um denomination. I don't. He's from a different. He's not local. He's right. from another church outside of this town, and he's here visiting, and was intrigued by um, the child's drawings. Like that had been a reason, I think, why the church was interested in him. Um, mm-hmm. And the the drawings themselves, because of their like slightly macabre nature, are piquing the interest of the church. Maybe. Uh, Part of that is his ability to maybe render illuminated manuscripts or something. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it doesn't. It, it doesn't does. get into it, but it that's part of why that it's an, an embedded interest. Mm-hmm. Yes, that for 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 his artistry because yeah, artistry is useful in swaying um, uh, people of religions uh, and. Uh, uh, the father has a what chalky, <laughs> unpleasant countenance uh, visage to him, 
He just kind of looks like a stone-faced, tired old man. Um, yeah, uh, so here's that um, that selection. So the father is visiting, and um, he believe he had a cane or something, and he kept thinking the boy was looking at his cane, but the boy was entranced in his, in his chalky-looking texture of his round face. Um my concentration on the priest's face had wholly exiled me from the world of good manners and polite talk. It was not just the pale and powdery cast of his complexion, but also a certain emptiness, a look of incompleteness that made me think of some unfinished effigy in a toymaker's workshop. The priest smiled and squinted and performed several other common manipulations, none of which resulted in a true facial expression. Something vital to the expression was missing, some essence of spirit in which all expressions are born and evolve toward their unique destiny, and, to put it graphically, his flesh simply did not have the appearance of flesh. Yes. Um, and it's funny because when, uh, when, when I read that, I was like, oh yeah, it just kind of sounds like a weird, chalky clay man, which is kind of a gross concept if you think about it uh as as being a person yeah um but the moment that his uh, mother and father left um the father sevich and the child uh begin to converse and i think it's not even immediate it's just as they're left alone uh there's this this moment in the first few seconds after my parents had abandoned the scene, Father Savage and I looked each other over, almost as if our previous introduction had counted for naught. And soon, a very interesting thing happened. Father Savage's face underwent a change, one in favor of the soul which had formerly been interred within his most obscure depths. Now, from out of that chalky tomb emerged a face of true expression, a masterly composition of animated eyes, living mouth, and newly flushed cheeks, this transformation, however, must have been achieved at a certain cost, for what his face gained in vitality, the priest's voice lost in volume. His words now sounded like those of a hopeless invalid, with um, withered things reeking of medicines and prayers. And, and they begin to um, discuss the, the pictures that the boy has done. And I think that the Father Savage um, brings out the little book from the folds of his uh, frock. Yes. The, the, he brings out Necronomicon Light from, from yes. the folds of his frock. Um, let's see. I, I actually like the description of the book, so if you don't mind, I'll be more than happy to read that. Go ahead. The covering of the book had the appearance of varnished wood, all darkish and embellished with undulating grains. At first I thought this object would feel every bit as brittle as it looked, until Father Sevich actually placed it in my hands and allowed me to discover that its deceptive binding was in fact extremely supple, even slippery. There were no words on the front of the book only two thin black lines which intersected to create a cross. On closer examination, I observed the horizontal beam of the cross had e on either end squiggly little extensions resembling tiny hands, and the, 
and the vertical beam appeared to widen at its vertex into something like a little bulb, so that the black decoration formed a sort of stick man. You know, that, that seems normal for a priest to have. Something that vaguely that that if you just glance at it quickly looks like a looks like a Bible. If you take a little time, looks like not like a Bible. Mm-hmm. And this book is filled with um pictures. Yes, it, ha- it has its text too, but it's it's a lot of um images. And here's a selection from that. Um, In these examples of the art of the woodcut, I could almost read the text composing the book because the book's in a a language you can't read. Um, Every one of which seemed devoted to wearing away at a single theme, salvation through suffering. Hmm, sounds familiar. (laughs) It was this chamber of sacred horrors that that Father Savage believed would catch my eye and my interest. How few of us, he explained, really understood the holy purpose of such images of torment, the divine uh, destiny toward which the paths of anguish have always led. The production, and even the mere contemplation of these volumes of blessed agony, was one of the great lost arts he openly lamented. Then he began to speak about a certain library in the old country. But his words were now lost on me, my attention was already wandering along its own paths, and my eye was inextricably caught by the dense landscape of these old woodcuts. One scene in particular appeared exemplary of the book's soul. And then it, it describes the picture, but I'll leave that out, actually, um, because it's an interesting one that um, should be consumed on its own. Yes. And uh, then, uh, <laughs> and then uh, uh, the yeah, father hears. <laughs> yes, then the, yeah, then the trouble, then the troubles occur when the father quickly snatches the book out of the boy's hand uh, and and puts it back into his frock, not noticing that uh, that in doing so, uh, one of the pages had been ripped out, which the boy then hides under his in his lap under his leg. In 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 that re- he basically just sits on the page and says, "Huh, what's that? I don't know anything." And, and then he and then he leaves. <laughs> the priest that is leaves. Not our not our main character. Yeah, no. The the, the priest takes off. He said his things. Um... And the boy is left to um, ruminate over the woodcut uh, image. Yes, and he's he is uh, he is infatuated with it. Um, un- not unsurprisingly, seeing as though this seems to be more in line with uh, with uh, his his interests in the church and I one of the things that I actually really appreciate, um, even though the children in these stories don't really talk like children, they still have a um bizarre childlike mentality. So uh, even though the image uh uh portrayed on the page that he has accidentally ripped out um is is horrific and to any adult would be, you know, considered 
concerning. Uh, the child does not put that together. I'm assuming because uh, because the religion is in fact filled with images like this. So how would one really know what is uh, divine or blasphemous? Or maybe they're one in the same, much like the father spoke. Um, did you get any uh, a quick question, Dave? Did you get a did you get a, a, a Hellraiser chill when the father was talking about uh, suffering and and oh yeah, no, salvation? I, I, I specifically like I think that's why I made the aside <laughs> that it's familiar ah. because yes, it's very it's very Hellraiser adjacent. Um, additionally, the the page that he took, uh, well, he didn't really take it; it's just ripped in his hand because he was holding that yeah. bit when the, when the priest took the book back but um he had hoped at that point he said well i have it so i should at least use it but um it does not provide the um solution to his quandary over the the, the face he's trying to portray it's like it's, it's like yeah, it's spooky but it's not enough um but however what it does do is the 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 book and the page are they're con they're they're severed, but they're connected. They're still part of the same whole, uh, even though mm. they are apart. And by virtue of him holding the page and the priest still keeping hold of the book, he's able to mentally locate and see what the priest is doing in his day to day. Yes, like it's a it's a weird little bit of turnabout, but. Um, I guess necessary to flesh out some of the story beyond what the child could otherwise see. Otherwise, he's it's a very short story. Then, yeah, uh, yes, it, the page for whatever reason gives the gives gives our narrator the ability to remote view what Father Savage is doing. Which, you know, once again, by virtue of this being a child, uh, I suppose that the the lack of concern over these things makes sense because well and also this also just feels like a, a weird kid in general that doesn't mind drawing unpleasant things which once again is what brought his attention to the church and to father savage in general yeah he's he's not um going to be perturbed beyond a certain level um by anything like this it's it's actually right in his it's in his wheelhouse he wants at some level that kind of um inspiration yes like it's a benefit to him rather than a thing that's like anathema And it's less of an idle curiosity because he's actually trying to improve the thing he's doing. Right. Yes, it's not just a a childish hobby. It is it is something that he is invested in. Yeah. Um, so our narrator watches uh, Father Savage do his day-to-day -day, uh, occasionally uh, and then Father Savage and then watches Father Savage return home uh, and as he uh makes his way uh to to a secret place which once again like this is this story is is big old lovecraft um, but uh let's see 
Yes, he uh, do we, we never get a location for for uh for where Father old, Savage is from, the, right? No, just the old the old, old country. Yeah, an old pro old vaguely European town. Yeah. <laughs> um and he uh sneaks between two uh a narrow niche between two houses and descends down some stairs and it's a big big secret path. Uh, yes, to... and so there's a little bit right before that. Um, okay, and it's it's he's ruminating over like uh, Father Savage's daily life because it's it's all part and parcel of what he would expect a um, a man of the cloth to kind of be doing. He doesn't do mm-hmm. much. It's it's centered on his tasks. Um, Aside from the portions where uh, I think it's like during the middle of the night or so, um, he would leave his bed and sit at a, a desk and pour over a certain book, um, a book that was uh, almost his own biography, a chronicle of what the, the father had done in his life. And it's a, um, he describes it as a chart. As as, a, as charting the convoluted chronology of this foreign man. And then here's the segment that I did want to read. How alien is the deepest life of another, the unbelievable beginnings, the unimaginably elaborate developments, and the incalculable eons which prepare, which foretell the multiform phenomena of an uncertain number of years. Much of what Father Savage had endured in his allotted span could already be read on his face, but something still remained to be revealed in his features, something which took the glowing lamp resting upon the desk. Oh, I'm sorry, something which the glowing lamp resting upon the desk, joined by the light of every constellation in the visible universe, was struggling to illuminate. I just like that passage. Mm-hmm. It's nice. It's evocative. <laughs> it is, and it's showing that there's. Um, he's already seen like the depths of this man. Um, from that that like reside within the waxy lumpen form um but they're they're not things that are like readily readily visible it's a mm-hmm. sort of hidden purpose maybe that this man has purpose or or secret or yes yes yeah, it's, it's something within him um isn't allowed to be expressed in in like everyday occasion Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, so we we follow the father, and we find out what so that something might be. Yes, uh, I do. I do like this passage. Uh, as I mentioned before, he, he takes a a, a a winding path and heads underneath the town. Uh, so we'll start from there. Now he was descending a stairway of cut stone, which led below the level of the town street. Then, uh, then a brief tunnel brought him to another stairway, which burrowed in a spiral down into the earth and absolute blackness. Knowing his way, the priest ultimately emerged from this nowhere blackness when he suddenly entered a vast circular t- chamber. This place appeared to be a tower sunken beneath the town and soaring to a great and paradoxical height. In the upper reaches of the tower, tiny lights glimmered like stars and threw down their illumination in a patternless weave of crisscrossing strands. So yeah, there's a a vault with a tunnel (laughs) underneath the town. 
Um, it's it's actually funny. Uh, the first time that I read read it, I I, I had um, for whatever reason I pictured uh, the tower being completely inverted, like actually like stretching downwards, but in in an open space. But that didn't. I think I was I was hoping I was trying to make it more Lovecrafty than than the description actually provided. But yeah, I thought like, oh, it's just like an an upside down world where the tower is the bottom base of the tower is on the ceiling. And I'm like, no, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this isn't really any like any worse than that. How do no. you want to phrase that? It's it's still a tower under the earth that goes up way too high for its like environment. Right. Exactly. Especially considering how far, how far he traveled down to reach it. It it does not make any sense that this could still exist underground. Yeah. It's, it's, this feels like that sort of hollow earth, um, Agartha idea. Although he didn't uh, go to the center of the earth, he just went down a couple of flights. Yeah. Um, and uh I believe this is the this is the titular library, is it not? Not this is the library, um and it also being Hellraiser adjacent earlier, I this was evoking um Images from, uh, I believe it's just Hellraiser two, where it shows Leviathan. Like, oh yeah, in the distance yeah. like that. Mm. That was what I was thinking of when he's describing this tower. Mm. Yeah, that's a good. That's a that's that's a good one. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It, it it is it is it is a structure. It is a structure that is somehow sinister and ever present. Um, actually kind of reminds me of the inverted pyramid from Control whenever you visit the astral plane. It is a giant, expansive black pyramid that envelops the entire top of the screen and is completely viewable no matter where you are. It's ultimately inescapable. Hmm. Uh, and then, uh, and then he, and then, then the, then the priest tries to return the book. And Dave, do you have any, any experience returning, uh, damaged library books? Is I your, do not. Was, I'm very careful with my books. Oh, you um, know what? Actually, that makes sense. You would be, you are, you would be the one who is very careful with your book. Yep. Now I may have had to pay a fine. Because things mm. were overdue, but that's the nature of renting out a bunch of research books. Um, but yes, nothing, uh, nothing so um, overt as what happens to our our dear our dear father. Yes, who who tries to return uh, turn the book to uh, to three beings that all have a from all descriptions, a really unpleasant face that wants to project serenity, but just seems wrong. Uh, mainly their eyes being large and calm. I don't know about you, Dave, but anybody with large, calm eyes is immediately suspect to me. <laughs> yes, well, it's also saying it's a character, uh, a character of serenity. So it's... Yes. 
it's too too much actually that nothing to do with these but just having watched berserk in all its fantastical glory um father mosgus would be a yes an icon of this because there's just so much other um behind his his like facade of a calm face mm-hmm. and and the father hands the book back and they take it in a incredibly creepy fashion where they all seem to be one person grabbing the book by one hand each and every one of them <laughs> um and and then they and then they uh realize that that something's wrong just by by holding it uh, and what happens to the dear father Dave when they realize that the the book has not been returned in the same state that it was lent out? Yeah, he gets like puppeted into the air. Yep. Just yeah, he just gets levitated off, and it, it's it's. It sounds like it sounds like he's like lifted lifted off of the ground up into the tower and basically dissolves as he floats away. Either that or he is dragged so high that that all involved lose sight of him. But I like the it seems like the dissolution uh, is is probably more accurate given that he it, it also implies that he's being torn and 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 sh- uh, that his clothing and him are being torn as shredded as he's lifted away. Yeah, I mean, if this is <laughs> if this is the the price for um, returning something not as it was borrowed. Uh, maybe you don't want to, like, borrow books from here. Like, that's... Or definitely don't be showing it off, because that's what well, happened. Well, don't. don't. Uh, <laughs> I think the story... Child it, touch it. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a story of child... Uh, ch- children who will ruin things, even if they don't mean to. Um, and... and uh, meanwhile, it is it is worth noting that uh, that the narrator had been suffering a a really terrible fever uh, during this, um, and then uh, it, it uh, uh, grew worse after after this this incident. Yeah, and then he gets visited by the flaming form of Father Sevich. Yes, be- being beamed in through the moonlight. Um, I like that. It, I like that. I mean, he, he's not he, on fire, but he's like glowing or something. Yeah, and it. But the narrator is uh, uh, is uh unable to determine whether it is it is angelic or demonic. The yeah. source of, of his of his glow, um, and uh, it appears that the 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 spirit or what have you is unaware of his presence. Um, 
Yeah, it's this is a like a last gasping of that psychic connection, it feels like. Mm-hmm. Where he's seeing the the raw spirit form of what I guess maybe the remainder of Father Savage um in its in its final torments. Yes. And uh and and because of that, uh our narrator is actually finally able to to see the uh the look of absolute horror and terror that had eluded him from the very beginning of the story uh, uh painted on father savage's face as uh, well at, on his face as if it had been carved from stone you don't well you could paint stone uh <laughs> It's it's a good passage, so here's this. As a reward for this effort, I witnessed with all possible acuity of my inward and outward vision the incorporeal grandeur of the specter's face. And in a moment immeasurable, by earthly increments, increments of time, I grasped every detail, every datum and nuance of this visitor's kids um, uh, of uh, this visitor's life history, the fantastic destiny which had culminated in the creation of this infantes- infinitely gruesome visage, one whose expression had grown rigid at the sight of unimaginable horrors and petrified into spectral stone. And at that, in that moment, I felt that I too could see what this lost soul had seen. Now, with all the force of a planet re- um, revolving in its unspeakable tonnage in the blackness of space. Another good passage. The face turned on its terrible axis, and while it still appeared to have no apprehension of my existence, it spoke as if to itself alone and to its solitary doom. Not given back as it had been given. The the law of the book is broken. The law of the book is broken. And then it's shriveled as if something was thrown as if something thrown into a fire, um, crinkling into nothing. Which is a which is a, a bit of imagery that I've noticed that uh, Legati likes to use often. Um, I forget it, it's it's one of the, it's one of his numerous puppet stories uh, that we've read earlier in in uh, in this book. But I think I it was the in, third, second, or third one we read. Yeah. Where like his, the, the the essence of him was drawn into a chimney. And he shrunk down into a little, little corn cob of a man. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot. There's a lot going on right here, but um, yeah, it it prompts the the child to maybe do the same with the <laughs> single page of the book that he had. He's like, probably shouldn't be holding on to this. Yep. Uh, so he so he grabs some holy water from the church, as you do, and <laughs> places the page in the sink and pours the holy water on it, and uh, it, it 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 basically evaporates, like it it burns it and evaporates, and and he notes that it, the smell isn't unpleasant. It's it's not like brimstone and and sulfur. But but incense and 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 other smells and then it's just gone. 
It's it's in an incense reeking of secret denial and privilege. That's another. There we go. Yeah, yeah. that's that's important. <laughs> um, and that and that's that's the that's the library. Um, what did you what did you think about this this little tale, Dave? I enjoyed this one quite a bit, mostly because as as for something that's in text, this was highly evocative. Like it creates a a, a suite of mental imagery, like very easily, mm-hmm. uh, because we have other media that we're able to like draw from quickly. Like it's not I don't have to think of what that reminds me of; it just does. Um, so divorced of that, I don't know if it would be as strong. But because it has those analogs, uh, it's a lot more effective. Yeah, exactly. I, I would, I would highly agree. Um, like you said before, because we we have uh, such a vast array of of visuals uh, to pair with with the the language used in the story, uh, it. it does become highly evocative and and easy to um, visualize for ourselves. Yeah, I would say I enjoyed this one quite a bit. Um, yes, quite a bit more than the one we're about to read, actually. Yeah. So I had. So I, I'm gonna audience. I'm gonna be perfectly honest with you. I read the story and couldn't really get anything out of it and then i listened to an audio recording of it um but it was one of those like microsoft sam auto voice like auto-generated voice recordings makes it worse of this of the story and so i'm i'm completely lost with this one it just like I, I after after both of my uh, my times with this this story, um, I just came away feeling like okay, so this is just dark Mary Poppins question mark. Yeah, that's and that was the thing. Um, this may be the first time I think that both of us just didn't tack with something usually one of us can pull through like oh actually this part was really good and um i didn't like i did not uh, it's not like i didn't enjoy it it was fine but there's not really anything to it this is probably the weakest entry in i think the entire book and so there's there's an aspect of this one because it seems like the the child in this in this story is is significantly less proactive than the child in our last one so because they are our narrator and our point of view for the events taking place i it feels like they're only getting bits and pieces of this story um, yeah they don't know what's going on exactly so then it lets you like not really know what's going on but there's never re- any real clear context given to what what's going on so it just kind of sounds like a series of non-events 
by uh, from from a weird housekeeper. Yeah. So the 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 general outline of it is there's a, a new housekeeper into this like uh, country estate. Um, there's a single child and then the parents, but the parents are like non-entities. I mean, they weren't really entities in the other one either, but they were less so in this. Yes. Uh, and the housekeeper is doubling as a tutor. Yep. And it just ends. <laughs> it's very short. It's a, it's, I don't know, 10 pages. It's not very long. No. Um, the lessons they're learning are like abstract histories and geographies or something. It doesn't or does not get into it. Um, the the titular Miss Plar is uh, like a maybe a disheveled Mary Poppins. Yeah, and not bequ- she's bequeathing like. It's really weird because it feels like the events that happen aren't something that she's she's not doing anything. Like it's just weird crap happening outside of the estate. Like the, what I felt was there's something nebulous about where this place exists. Um and it's it I don't always like to pull to other media but it feels very Silent Hill. Like it's, yes. a, it's a fog shrouded thing, and then as they they leave the estate on, on an excursion to go to town, but the town ends up being like a creepy abandoned place. So it's not clear as if like is that the way the town always is, or is it just now because it happened to coincide with whatever? Um, it feels like a confluence of of things, something that the child is predisposed to. And that Miss Plar is predisposed to, but combined are bad. The story's not clear on why anything's happening, which is a little bit frustrating. No, no, you don't always need a why, but in this particular case, weird stuff's happening, and then it's just kind of like off the cuff. It just happens, and then... They're not doing a ritual. They're not doing something to make something happen. It's just happening beyond them for no reason and then she goes crazy yep yep and and then and then disappears into the fog in the end yeah it's it's real just there's not much that's that's kind of all there is to it yeah or that's all i could get from it reading it um Super late at night, which probably wasn't helping. I pulled, I pulled a, a, a very few selections. Um, so, uh, I'll I'll read a little bit more than I actually pulled, just because it it adds a little bit more context to it. So this is when they're having their lecture. Uh, Without attempting to render the exact rhetoric of her discourse, I remember that Miss Plar was especially concerned with my development in subjects that often touched upon history or geography, occasionally broaching realms of philosophy and science. She lectured from memory, never once hesitating in her delivery of countless facts that had not reached me by way of the conventional avenues of my education. 
Yet these talks were nonetheless as meandering as her footsteps upon the cold floor of that attic room, and at first I was breathless trying to follow her from one point to the next. Eventually, though, I began to extract certain themes from her chaotic syllabus. For instance, she returned time and again to the earliest twitchings of human life, portraying a world of only the most rudimentary law, but one intriguingly advanced in what she called visceral practices. She allowed that much of what she said in this way was she allowed that much of what she said in this way was speculative. Um, and then she just kind of talks about ancient atrocities, which were gained renown from a Persian monarch, a century-old massacre in the Brazilian backlands, and specific methods of punishment employed by various societies, often relegated to the margins of history. And he he he's engaging with all of it, but it's so abstract and bouncing around that he kind of like loses focus. And at that point, um, Miss Plar decides to do some disciplining, although it's just verbal. Um, she says here, in a room such as this, she whispered, one may also learn the proper way to behave. And she has a a pointer that she's been pointing at, I think a blackboard. She wasn't drawing anything on. Um, mm. And she like slides along his, the, the child's neck, um, but then walks over the win window and starts ruminating or uh, not like intently listening um, for something. And she, she says, do you know the sound of something that stings the air? But she's saying it and not, making a reference uh i think she's yeah. it, it's more of a quest like an illegitimate question like it's occurred to her she's heard something and is trying to divine the source and, and more information from the boy but the way it's phrased is that, sh that she's using it as a punishment sound yeah but she's like she's she's legitimately like wants to know what it is it's not a um it's not a uh hypocritical is not the word i want hypothetical it's not a hypothetical yes. question so it's it's a weird like someone wouldn't say that and then not know the answer like that's it's a strange way to talk when you're get it's getting conflated with like the punishment she was intending to like offer mm -hmm. yes and that's that's where like the story was a little that's where it starts going like off the rail and not they they go to the town they hear weird stuff she's hearing whatever it is that like stings there and then i um, ultimately it finds her or she finds it i it, it doesn't go into it she just disappears yeah um i think uh do, do you have any any uh, other... i have another selection all right so this is specifically when they are um walking in the fog smothered landscape 
It was by her grasp that this vision was conducted onto me, setting both of us up upon a strange path. Yet as we progressed, I began to recognize certain shapes of gra certain shapes gradually emerging around us, that brood of dark forms which pushed through the fog as if their growth could no longer be contained by it. When I tightened my grip on Miss Plar's hand, which seemed to be losing its strength, fading in its substance, the vision surged towards clarity. With the aspect of some leviathan rising into view from the abyss, a monstrous world defined itself before our eyes, forcing its way through the surface of the fog, which now trailed in wisps about the structures of an immense and awful kingdom. More expansive and, than, and intricate than my earlier purely artistic imaginings, the imaginings, these structures sprung forth like a patternless conglomerate of crystals, angular and many-faceted, monuments clustering in a misty, misty graveyard. It was a dead city indeed, and all its residents were entombed within its walls, or they were nowhere. It, it goes on quite a bit actually describing it, but um, that's not what I wanted to pull that for. Uh, Miss Parr is being used like an antenna. Mm-hmm. One that only that that has an a, a finite um cycle. Yes. Like she's attuning the child to this thing, I think unwillingly or unwittingly. Mm -hmm. Um, but by doing so it, it's 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 kind of the opposite than with the priest, where he comes yeah. alive in doing the discourse of the thing. This is like physically draining her, um, literally, to to channel the sights of this to the child. Yeah. And or something and to that effect. Exactly, because but it's also it also seems to be something that the child had tried to visualize themselves in in their drawing because this this story also involves a a, a child artist um drawing uh unusual things yeah right. and it's, um so i say she's un she's unwittingly passing it on maybe um it's it's dubious because it does talk about that. So yeah, I didn't highlight it, but here it is. I reading this, I guess the second time was enough. Um, her eyes seemed to be possessed by the sight of the of sight of these rooms she spoke of, where the air was um, being stung. Uh, her hair was mingling with the mist around us. Finally, she released her hold on my hand and drifted onward. There was no struggle. She had known for some time what loomed in the background of her wandering and what waited her approach. Perhaps she thought this was something she could pass on to others, or um, in which she might gain their company. But her company, her proper company, had all the time been preparing for her arrival elsewhere. Nevertheless, she had honored me as the heir of her visions. Uh, the fog swept around her and thickened, thickened once again until there was nothing else that could be seen. After a few moments, I managed to gain my geographical bearings, finding myself in the middle of the street only a few blocks from home. So, whatever that nebulous city is, it's it's on like another plane of existence or something. Um, or, it ex or, or as we find out, it, ex it exists all the time in tandem. You just need the right windows to see it. And yep. that window, just I think, was Miss Plar's hand yes like uh, once again to go back to the antenna she transmitted those that that vision to to the child yeah. um who's now and attuned to it i guess right 
and apparently was being drawn drawn into to that place uh the place of her visions that seems to be be what the disappearance implies because as soon as yeah. she disappears so does the this vision of this ancient and uh, abandoned kingdom yeah and the it, it wraps up by um nor did I wish to deepen the mysteries of this episode by revealing what Miss Plar had left behind in that attic room. So something was there. Yep. Um, for me, this chamber was now invested with the dour mystique, and I revisited its drafty spaces on several occasions over the years, especially on afternoons in early spring, where I could not close my ears to certain sounds that reached me from beyond a gray mist or from skies of hissing rain, as if somewhere the tenuous form of spirits were thrashing in a dark and forsaken world. So... The ending of that, um, none of this is thematically disparate from anything else. It's just, I think, the way the story was delivered. Because it's not like it's bad. It's just boring. Yeah, there's not there's there's not a lot of there's not a lot of meat in this story. No, I mean, the, sto- the story is the mist that Miss Plar like devolves into. Yeah. It's playing on um, it's playing on themes that pop the way they pop all the time, and it feels like that it's that idea of the inescapable fate, um, Mm -hmm. born from uh, knowing the things that you. It's not that you shouldn't know, but that you shouldn't normally be able to see. Like they're 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 there anyway. Uh, you just like peek behind the curtain, and that was too much. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. by extension, that it feels like that same fate is now tied to the child. Yeah, exactly. Um, I was I was about to say that after once again, just by having this discussion on it, my read uh, has slightly changed. Where it uh, Miss Par Plar. Uh, like her disappearance into the fog was inevitable. It was going to happen whether she had come to stay at this uh, this estate or not, and that she used her time there to condemn another person to to her fate. Because when uh, because when uh, we went over the passage where. She talks about um, all these ancient kingdoms and and uh, civilizations and and the visceral way of things. Like this is this is stuff that this is knowledge that she has gained somehow. And even though it doesn't interest the child, she is still transmitting that information to them, aligning them. I think she was. You used the term antenna. I think she was trying to make another antenna. That it wouldn't be and at its core, and what this is doing to me is it's it's a clear discussion on um entropy mm-hmm. now that we're like talking about it a little bit more and kind of rereading some passages um the entropy of every like everything will fall to ruin, it will become the fallen kingdoms um that's not something you can do anything about um it's generally over a longer scale unless you're in that immediate decline um, that you would really consider. 
Just right. It just takes so long to do. At the height of something, you don't think about the decline of it. That's just the nature of things. But by having considered that implicitly, um, the, the moment or the aftermath of the fall of something, that's kind of like you you're you're giving yourself an existential crisis <laughs> yeah so ba- that's kind of what she did is she's just transferring not not really the ability to do a thing but just the concept of think about this and uh whoops sorry you cursed yourself because now you're aware that like everything ends <laughs> yeah yeah okay yeah i can get behind that that seems appropriately Lagothian. <laughs> Um, yeah i mean and the, and the so it's like the biggest thing is well if you weren't aware of this at all you could just be kind of blissfully ignorant um, yes but that doesn't do you a service and it just cycles back to that like well if we just if we just weren't here then you don't have to worry about anything yep like she's not going screaming into the darkness like the priest this yeah. is just a resigned like well, something's crazy over there, and it's just calling me, so I better go see what it is. Yep, I just gotta go. Yeah, which is a, um, it's similar to um, the story of the spider musicians. Yes, yes. Um, it's that <laughs> same sense of fate with potentially bad end, but... Um, this feels like less egregious mm. because it's not an overt like well there's something that stings the air and and things living in the buildings that are going to get you um i feel like it could be a tangent to those spider things like this is just what they use to get their prey i mm. don't know um but it's in that same feel yeah yeah, it's another one I think that just by virtue of breaking it down a little bit more, um, I'm less, I'm less less enthused. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I still don't love this, but um, there's a little more to it than just what's on the surface. Again, as as usually is the case, but yeah, the surface read was just not enthralling me. Um, no, same here. Yeah, I feel a little bit better about it now, but again. It's not the strong. The, the the library was much a stronger entry. Yes. Uh, well, and you know, I think it's actually like the the detail that I find the most frustrating is to uh to mention that she she abandoned something in her her attic in the attic, but not not actually mention say it. what it is because there's no no there's no other indication given throughout the story of what it could be so it just exists as this mysterious thing that is potentially incriminating i don't know i think it's her pointer um because it never mentions any other object that she had that's true and and a and a pointer what is it like what is it like but an antenna yep so I'll, I'll just I'll just double da- I know I'll just double down on that an- analogy. 
All right. Yes, I, I've come out of this story slightly better. Once again, I think it's one of the weaker entries, but not, and as you said, but not bad. A, a weak, a weak Legati story is still not a bad story. That is, I think that's the most important takeaway uh, from from this particular discussion. Yeah, I I enjoyed both of these. Um more post-discussion. Uh, I, I like the library one uh, in in of itself. Uh, Miss Plar, it's still just okay. Yeah, same. Um, but I would, um, I think that's one where rereading it um, after some time is better. Mm-hmm. Like, like, too soon is not going to, you're still, like, put off a little bit by it. Yeah. But giving it some space and kind of time to breathe, uh, and then th- coming at it that way, and also taking the time to to think about like the the why of the children, because that's the that's the large part of like the, these are comp- thematically they are the same as everything else. Um, mm-hmm changing the narrative changing the narrator to this like otherwise they're not they're not innocent children because they're already enmeshed in like esoteric whatevers mm-hmm. like they're 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 in the same mold just like the 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 adventures of young um I don't know, Charles Dexter Ward or something. You know, it's it's oh, <laughs> just yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, a version it. of a Lovecraftian protagonist. Yeah. That I mean the the Charles Dexter Ward pull is 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 pretty good one because it's it, it, that that story starts off as, as his his investigation at the beginning of that story is is incredibly benign, but then he pulls the veil back on the truth and then it that is what dooms him and these children their their explorations are aren't being guided by anything they they it's just raw un un it's it's like happenstance for both their cases other than like them them being born into like a privileged um household that can afford certain things maybe afforded them too much because a a, a child in the village or something isn't going to get this right they'll get the entropy end state but they're not getting it like full bore from the outset of their lives right and particularly the um the first child uh he was already going down a path of like digging the things that he should not uh, because yes. his interests were that way. Uh, and mm-hmm. then it's nebulous ending of like, yes, he, he destroyed the thing that was, that he severed the connection to that other space, but didn't sever like the interest. I don't think it's yeah, that he's... idea of like, you've seen something fantastical and it's probably bad and yes you you close the door on it but 
you already opened the door the first time, so that desire I don't think is going to go away. Right. It might. It yeah. might. It might beg you to uh, be more um, diligent and careful about your explorations in the future. But I think that um, by virtue of him finding that um, inspiration that he wanted, it, that's not a. a it took the, uh, the the unwitting death of a man to get him to be able to draw like a, a spooky face. <laughs> so if that if that is your start your starter kit, um, you can only go up from or down or whatever you want to call it. You can only go harder from there, right? Like that's yeah, a baseline exactly. of like a frustrated artist needing a muse, and that muse happened to be needing someone's death shroud. <laughs> um so what's his next piece gonna be like what's he gonna need to do uh to get inspiration for the next one and i feel like that's part of like the smile like that beatific um smile he gets at the end when he's uh released from the, the curse of the connection but mm -hmm. is that also like a re realization that okay there's there's certain fates to be found um, in the world that are not desirable. Uh, but you now have fair warning, maybe don't go to that library. But if that exists, like, what else could be out there? Yeah. Right. And he's already, and they're already interested in, in that kind of thing. So maybe this will just, yeah burn them especially if you consider the fact that oh now i feel empowered because hey i was able to break this one i'm sure i could break any awful curse thing that i come across yeah it's well and, it's a, on, and on it's a validation i mean he used the holy water from his his church and it did something yep oh yeah yeah i guess it it did huh May, or maybe he'll abandon this and actually go into the priesthood. <laughs> well, that also affords, and it's like if one priest can go get access to this library, like what, and, and that was not a church sanctioned one, what does the actual church have? Because I think he does talk about that. He's like, his, my interest in what the order, like its secrets, is what I wanted. And um, my parents think I'm just doing it for the religion. And like, that's not my focus i want what they have it's like i want to get to their vaults i want to see what's under the city you know that that seemed to be like his his go-to motivations whereas we don't really get that with the second story like there's not no. there's not enough of that aside from the um the child protagonist um, saying that years later, they're still going to that room. They're still doing the thing. It's just getting worse. Mm -hmm. Like they, like they're now wrapped up in it and they can't stop whatever they're doing, but they're at least like slowly. It wasn't an immediate, like now you're doing the thing. It's, it's a delving, a careful delving. I think on both their parts is probably what that comes down to is they they see that the the word the the fate is on the wall like this is what's going to happen this is potentiality um but it's not immediate it's just it's inevitable and it's an exact exact it's inevitable and um 
it doesn't have to be like right now. So there's stuff you can do in the meantime to either a better prepare for it or uh, enjoy whatever time you have um, <laughs> in, until it it's just no longer until it's used up. It's very uplifting. These these children. <laughs> I mean, all of his works are all of Legati's works are very uplifting. Of course, of course. Um, oh, I I don't have anything else on these two. This I I used up all my energies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I I would agree. I think we we've, we've covered we've covered these two as much as possible. As always, uh, we highly suggest that you go read these stories yourself. Um, once again, um, even a what what we pers- we personally consider a weaker entry uh, is still a good piece of literature worth uh examining um and with that discussion uh, and the completion of uh voice of the child uh we have one last section left in songs of a dead grimer and grimscribe uh the voice of our name and that comprises uh, that is comprised of the story The Shadow at the Bottom of the World, which is what we will be covering along with something else next time uh, we revisit uh, the Legati verse. Uh, before we sign off today, uh, time for a bit of admin. So, Dave, where can people find you online? Folks can find me online at uh, Twitter. Uh, you can find me there. At sentinut underscore plus. And the website itself, uh, monsterdeer.monster. I said Very website, the podcast, all the back episodes. Yes. And uh, as for me, you can find me on Twitter at Dr. Faust is Dead. And you can find me on YouTube by also searching Dr. Faust is Dead. Um, next week, hopefully, we will be returning with uh, our our sweet lost lamb, Cameron, to discuss uh, something else. Are we? Are, it Dave, should are be we the playing? mother of tears. That's what I was going to ask. Uh, the, wrapping up the, <laughs> the, the, the three, three mothers, mothers. Yes, trilogy. So, yeah, mother of tears and the. Um, related segments in Thomas de Quincy's Suspiria de Profundis. Yes. So look forward to that. And uh, from uh, us to you, thank you for listening. Have a good one, everybody. Bye-bye, folks. Goodbye.